0: Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming,
1: action. Hi y'all, this is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. There was a storm of controversy over the casting of a black woman, Hallie Bailey, as Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Local Richmond activist Lance Cooper has launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise $12,000 to send young black students to see the movie when it's released on May 26th. He launched a similar campaign for Black Panther in 2018. I've included a link to the Kickstarter on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com.
0: Malcolm in the middle, I'm working with Cloris Leachman, and they said, oh, she's crazy. They didn't specify whether it was good or bad crazy. It was a long day, like a 12-hour day, and the answer to good or bad crazy is good crazy. She was fantastic. I went up to her and I said, Cloris, thank you so much. I just had a blast working with you. It was such an honor. Started to walk away. Got about five feet away. She goes, hey, you know what? I turned around and said, what?
1: That was actor Andy Umberger talking about working with the great comic actor Cloris Leachman on Malcolm in the Middle. His punchline is truly hilarious, so listen on. I was watching the new season of Perry Mason on HBO the other night, and Andy popped up as a judge, so I decided it was time to feature him. Andy was born in Portsmouth, went to VCU in theater, and ended up in New York on Broadway before moving to L.A., where he's appeared in more than 100 movies and TV shows. Our lively discussion includes him being on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Mad Men, Friends, The Accountant, and a fascinating explanation of the difference between a guest star and a co-star. Sifter, review of the week Up here, on Hulu. The book for this musical is written by Stephen Levinson, who's best known for Dear Evan Hansen, and the songs were composed by the team that wrote Frozen. The first two episodes were directed by Thomas Cale, who directed Hamilton. With this high-powered team, you'd expect something fresh and fun, but what you get is a rather mundane, traditional rom-com. Mae Whitman plays an aspiring writer who moves to New York, where she meets an investment banker, Carlos Valdez. During the eight episodes, they go in and out of love relationship, and that's pretty much the plot. Meanwhile, there's a chorus of voices from their family and friends who chime in with regular disparaging comments and negative thoughts. The two leads are regular types, but not especially exceptional. Even so, the songs are tuneful, and the staging of the numbers features fair choreography. Essentially, this could have been made 20 years ago, because despite the pedigree, there's nothing special or innovative in this production. I gave up here two and a half out of five stars. So Andy Umberger, since this show has a Virginia connection, and I know you went to VCU in theater, but where were you born? Are you a Virginian?
0: I am, yeah. I was born in Portsmouth,
1: And then you came up to VCU, and we're in theater, obviously. Yep. So how did you get started? Why did you decide you wanted to be an actor in the first place?
0: Um, I was kind of a slacker in high school. I did not apply myself. I was a bit of a stoner. When we started having elective courses, I chose Chorus because I thought, how hard can that be? You know, it's not going to be any homework. Yeah. yeah and right. It turns out I could sing. And so I stayed in Chorus and they did a musical and I wound up playing Curly in Oklahoma. And then after a year at community college, I transferred to BCU.
1: Obviously, you stayed in Richmond for a while and you did theater.
0: I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. You know, I had friends who had graduated, who had gone on to New York and they were like they were living in Hell's Kitchen and they were selling luggage at Macy's or, you know, all these survival jobs. And I was working in theater in Richmond and albeit, you know, smaller theaters, but I was still doing what I wanted to do. It was a it was a good learning experience for me and it you know it, it set the groundwork for what I was going to go on and do.
1: So I know when you left Richmond you went to DC first right before you went to LA
0: Yeah I, w- I was in DC for a year. I went there with the job and stayed for a year and then then on to New York and uh, New York, you were on Broadway. Yeah, yeah it, it it took a while. I was there for a few years and then uh, my first Broadway show was City of Angels. I went in I replaced an actor named Tom Galantich. Then I went on tour with the the Jerry Zachs revival of Guys and Dolls, and came back. And then I went into Passion.
1: Now you also in DC. Uh, something happened to you that also got you to New York. You met your
0: wife, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, it a funny story. I went to DC to work at the Harlequin Dinner Theater, which was in Rockville, Maryland. Right. Which <laughs> is crazy. I was doing a production of West Side Story. I was playing Shrank, Lieutenant Shrank, and I was covering. Tony. I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> it's quite, a, it's quite it, a stretch. Yeah, yeah. The next show that they were doing was Guys and Dolls. And so I auditioned, they cast me as Sky. And then Terry, my wife, she auditioned for Sarah and she was cast.
1: Footnote The lead characters in the musical Guys and Dolls are Sky and Sarah. <laughs>
0: We were going to work together. We had never met each other. One thing led to her mother, as as the audience.
1: <laughs> and she went on to do a Phantom on Broadway, which is getting yeah. Ready she did,
0: yeah, she did Phantom for a long time. She started in the uh, the second National, which opened in Chicago. She toured for a long time, and then she left, and then they would bring her back. And she was on Broadway on and off for numerous years. She used to say it was kind of like Hotel California. You could check out anytime you want, but you could never leave. You know, they always brought you back. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start doing on-camera work? Uh, You know, I had started doing stuff in Richmond, um, like training films. And it was in the early 80s that I actually thought about going to L.A. I was a little scared. It was 3,000 miles away. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't really have any experience with that.
1: Surprise guest drop in.
0: Before we get out to L.A., somebody wants to say hello here.
1: Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, who is this? Oh, oh.
0: Oh, hey. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> well, I didn't even, look, I didn't even get a chance to get my lighting right. Hey, man. How are you? Good. What's up?
1: Footnote. Bobby, or Robert Smith, is an actor in the D.C. area.
0: Good to see you, man. It has been way, way too long. You really have improved. Well, thank you. Really? Like, remember what a hack you were? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember <laughs> yeah. that. It's, yeah, I think I think I'm really coming along.
1: Yeah, I think you yeah. are.
0: I'm pleased with you. I really right. really am.
1: How do you guys do you actually know each other? By the way, you go by Bobby now or I've always known you as Bobby. Do you go by Robert now that you're mature?
0: That's just what I teach the kids at the university. Hi Jerry. How are Hello, you? Hello Robert. Hello Bobby. Hey. So how do you how did you guys
1: get to know each other? Uh we met in prison. We did, yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. No. We worked together first. Was it yeah, was it was it, was it Greece? It might have been grease. I think I exposed myself to you on grease on in, backstage. Yes. Yeah, my in my hand. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's it. But, but I listen. Jerry wants all these stories, and I kept thinking about. It. I was like, I don't know that we can talk about anything that we ever. Did. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I, like, I mean, it was fun, but I don't know that we could talk, talk Any- about. It. Yeah, in this day and age, yeah, it wouldn't go over well. You have to be careful.
1: Yes, yes. So, Bobby, what can you tell me about working with Andy as a professional?
0: I always looked up to him. Is that because you're shorter? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And we were roommates twice. Yeah. Um, I participated in a, in a wedding, uh, uh, an um, infamous wedding, actually. Like he was my, 10 he years was my best old. man. He's not saying it, but he was my best man. I was, yeah. He was the person I looked up to as an actor. He's he's what I wanted to become. I, I didn't go that way. I don't know what way we're talking. But... Um, you in a much better way. You are, you know, the work you've done there and in, in D.C. at the signature or whatever, it's been... Oh, you know, oh. I hear fantastic things. So fantastic. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, when are you coming back to the East Coast? Well, actually, in mid-April, we're going to be in New York. Uh, Terry got invited to the uh, closing of Phantom. That's not the East Coast. Yeah. That's New York. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Thanks for <laughs> dropping
1: in, Bobby. This a great
0: reunion. I love you guys. Love you too, buddy. Good to see you, Peace man. Soon. All right, I got to find the thing. Okay, it says leave. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye he called just in time we we're getting ready to head out to LA so how did you get started i mean you've been in as i said in the introduction you've been in like 60 plus shows and you've had more than 15 supporting roles you've been in movies galore what was your first thing do you remember your first gig and whether it was exciting
0: or i had done a couple episodes of law and order in new york and of course can, like every new yeah, york actor <laughs> yeah the few things that shot in new york right. so when i got to la one of the first things i did within a couple of months was a movie of the week i had a very small role and then the next thing was the Drew Carey show. Drew Carey was one of the nicest people I ever met. Really very kind. And then things just started to happen. I, uh... Did a guest star on The Practice, and then uh, things started just to, to pick up. For the audience, tell us what exactly does it mean when you get to be
1: a guest star on
0: a show? Uh There are co-stars and guest stars. SAG has a minimum for a day, a three-day minimum, a weekly minimum. The, it goes down a little bit. You know, that's why SAG's sure. cutting the producer a, a break. If you work on any of that, if you do a one-day minimum, 3 or or weekly minimum, you are a co-star. If you do what is called top of show, and what that means is you are paid the one-day scale for the full time with no reduction, that is a guest star. Or if you work one day and one day only and are paid double scale or more for that day, you are a guest star. That was the the clear definition of it. But it has changed now recently in the past 10, maybe even 20 years. The producers just sort of lure an actor in by saying, "We'll give you a guest star credit depending on the show, especially network television, guest star credits are at the front of the show. Right. And big bold and co-star stuff is at the end. And now with streaming, though, a lot of streaming shows do it completely different. It's all all the credits are at the end.
1: Now, Josh Whedon, who, of course, is known for lots of interesting shows, you were in three of his shows. You were only one of five actors in all three of his shows. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Firefly, right?
0: Right, yeah. Buffy was an interesting experience because I think they wrote a character in last minute. And it was the character of de Hoffren. And I would wind up doing uh, like one episode every season for like four years, and it was full prosthetic makeup. He was the head of the Vengeance Demons. Originally, it was about five hours in the chair to get ready. Wow. Eventually, they got it down to about between three, three and a half. Yeah, full prosthetic makeup, lenses, teeth, nails, everything. It was a wild experience.
1: I looked at some of your clips, and of course, you have the vintage clips, which are pretty hilarious, because they go way back before HD. And uh, there was one with Cloris Leachman. She called you God Boy, because you were marrying her. I thought that was pretty hilarious. How was it? The great Cloris Leachman.
0: Yes. That episode, she played Ida on Malcolm in the Middle. I got cast, and I was having a conversation in passing with someone. They asked me, you got anything coming up? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be working on uh, Malcolm in the Middle. I'm working with Claire Leachman. And they said, oh, she's crazy. And sh- they didn't specify whether it was good or bad crazy. <laughs>
1: Footnote. Malcolm in the Middle was a comedy starring Brian Cranston before Breaking Bad. It ran from 2000 to 2006. Cloris Leachman won an Oscar for her supporting role in The Last Picture Show, but she went on to become a beloved comic actor in The Mary Tyler Moore Show and many, many others.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so I went into it a little... I was a little apprehensive to take me to my trailer and immediately take me to hair and makeup. I go in the trailer. The only other actor in there is Cloris. She's sitting in the chair with a wig cap on. And she looks over and she sees me and she goes, who are you? I said, uh, I'm Andy. She says, you must be playing the minister. I said, yeah, I am. She sees my wedding ring, says, how long you been married? At that time, maybe, I, I think we've been married 18 years. And I said, 18 years. What's missing the most after 18 years? And I'm like, oh my God, she is crazy. And I thought, well, I'm going to go there. I said, you really want to know? She goes, yeah. I said, maybe sex. And then it got kind of quiet. I said, wait, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm in a loveless marriage or anything. You know, it's just, it's different. When we were younger, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. Now we'd like to curl up and watch a good movie. Anyway, it was a long day, like a 12 hour day. And the answer to good or bad, crazy is good. Crazy. She was fantastic. She would just do anything. She was hysterical. So it's the end of the day. She's wrapped. I went up to her and I said, Clarence, thank you so much. I just had a blast working with you. It was such an honor And she said, me too. It was great. Maybe we'll get to do it again sometime. I said, oh, my God, that would be great. Thank you so much. Started to walk away. Got about five feet away. She goes, hey, you know what? I turned around and said, what? She said, when you get home tonight, fuck your wife. (laughs) (laughs) After 12 hours, she remembered all that. She was, oh, my God. Well, did you? Well, no, of course not. I was too tired.
1: (laughs) And too old. Anyway, so let's talk about some of those. How about Mad Men? Because that was one that I remember seeing. Oh, there's Andy being the shrink on that. What was that like working on that show?
0: It was great. It was the first season. So it was still it didn't have all the hype that, uh, you know, after the first season, everybody started you know talking about it. And the interesting thing was I worked with January Jones, who played Betty Draper, and I was a shrink. Every time I worked with her, she was very sort of removed and sort of distant. And then we did the last episode, and we were wrapped. And at that point, she was very warm, very pleasant. And I realized, uh, oh, she's, Methody, yeah, it's kind of method. She wanted to stay distant from this shrink that she didn't really trust. And then once we were done, she was really a, a complete transformation.
1: It's interesting because on your reel, you have the scene of you dying in Waco. <laughs> Footnote, Waco was a TV series about the standoff between the federal government and the Branch Davidians in Texas. So anyway, so what was it like working on Waco and getting to die? How often do you get to do death scenes?
0: Yeah, not that, not that often. And this one was cool. Uh, they were I played a re- the real guy. Obviously, his name was Perry Jones. Didn't look anything like him when I actually saw <laughs> pictures of it. It was very cool because my character, he was shot and then died in the initial shootout the first week I was there they took me to a makeup so they could do a cast of my torso and that was so that when I got shot they were going to put this appliance on my midsection that had a bladder under it with a tube so they could feed it with blood and they had three exit wounds where the blood would come out they put the bladder on me got it working they uh, have a big syringe with the tube that runs off off camera and they primed it with water worked perfectly we got on set before I get in the bed, they put the blood in, they prime it with blood. It's working perfectly. I get in bed, I'm lying down and now they're getting ready to roll. And all of a sudden it's not working. And now I start to feel something kind of sticky and gooey running down oh. and like onto my butt and whatever. And I'm like, something's going on. Turns out that the bladder somehow had torn. So now nothing was coming out of the wounds, but still was dripping down into my pants and into my butt. <laughs> just, and so now they couldn't fix it. They couldn't. So they said, let's just pour blood on him. pour blood on him. By the end of the day, and you know, that that stage blood is sticky and yeah. it's, it's when it dries, literally they had to like peel my pants off of me wow. and they were like, they would stand up by themselves because that, that stuff had dried. It was nasty and gooey, but it was a lot of fun.
1: I know you also got to work opposite Ben Affleck and Gene Smart in yeah. The Accountant.
0: Footnote. The Accountant was
1: an action thriller with Ben Affleck, Gene Smart, and John Bernthal.
0: They're both incredible actors, I guess. Everybody was great, but especially Gene Smart. Oh, my God, I had a blast with her. She was so much fun. She seems We're like she would be. Stuff. Ben, too. He's a nice guy. He, you know, he, uh, he had a lot on his plate, so he was a little more removed. But when we finished, when we wrapped the scene, you know, he was very, he was very, very nice. And I had worked with him uh, before on a movie called Bounce that he was in with Gwyneth Paltrow. And my scene got cut.
1: As I mentioned in the opening, you were in Perry Mason. I was watching the second episode and bam, you popped up as a judge in that. Yeah. That was what, two years ago you said you actually
0: shot that? Not quite a year and a half. Yeah, it was January of 22. Yeah. I wish I had done more in the series because I really enjoyed season one. What they're doing with it and the storytelling is really quite good.
1: You've played lawyers, you've played judges, doctors, accountants—all those standard roles. How many times do you have any idea?
0: Oh God, no, I don't. You know, it's and it's interesting. I play a lot of authority figures, uh, you know, FBI agents and government officials and doctors, lawyers. Yeah, like you said, in recent years, in the push to be more diverse a lot of those roles they want to go to actors of color and especially women right. and that's a, you know it's a good thing but what what has happened is now it pushes guys like me into more of the more sinister roles the darker roles which actually is kind of it's kind of interesting you know yeah that's fun that's true yeah. Yeah,
1: speaking of some of that darker stuff i mean some of that stuff minehunter 911 swat animal kingdom one of my favorites American Horror Story, Glow, Shameless. What tell me an interesting story about one of those shows? There's a lot of them there. I
0: did the I did the pilot of American Horror Story. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Like right after the opening scene, I play Connie Britton's gynecologist. And another uh, doctor. And another doctor, right. <laughs> and I'm giving her an exam. Anyway, we rehearsed the scene, and now we're coming back, and now we're in costume. And as we're coming on set, Connie says to me, Andy, I just want you to know. That I'm wearing two layers. Somebody, somebody on set laughed, and she said, "What? I want Andy to be comfortable." I thought, well, thank you very much. That's very nice of you. You know, because she's there. She is. She's in the stirrups. And, yeah, uh, right, probably.
1: right. You got to restand yeah. in there. You've worked obviously with lots of famous people. Is there anybody that you ever
0: found intimidating? Uh, well, one person that I was uh, slightly intimidated by was I did uh, the movie W, and Oliver Stone directed. Footnote.
1: W was directed by Oliver Stone in 2008 and stars Josh Brolin
0: as George W. Bush. I was a little intimidated by him because he's very, he's very serious, does not separate pools. And there was one camera assistant person that he was really riding. And I was just trying to like, I just, I don't want to screw up. I'm just going to do my thing or whatever. Eventually they wanted to cut me out of the movie anyway. And then while I was there, Josh Brolin was playing uh, George W. Bush. And at that time, he was dating uh, Diane Lane and we were shooting in Shreveport. And my last day, it was a Friday and Diane had come in to meet Josh for the weekend or whatever. And I walk out of my trailer. I'm about to sign out. And they like five feet away from me is Diane Lane. And I was like, oh, my God, it's ah. Diane Lane. Oh, my God. You know, I, I didn't speak to her. But anyway, I uh, you know, she was someone who I was starstruck with her. What are you up to now? I just went, I just finished in Atlanta. I did Tyler Perry's show, The Oval. I was a wild experience. They shoot like an entire season in like just over two weeks. Wow. It's crazy the way they shoot. Uh, but everybody was very, very nice. I have no idea when that show will be out. Footnote. Actually, The Oval
1: is already airing on BET. <laughs> But what is it about? Is Oval as an Oval
0: Office? it's like a you know a prime time soap opera. It's on BET. Uh, the The president is a white guy, and he's married to a black woman. And then drama um, ensues. Infidelity and intrigue and stuff. You know, it's a it's a fantasy. And who are you playing? I, I'm playing a doctor, the White <laughs> House doctor. Of course. Another doctor. Who who, who else? Right, <laughs> right, right. I did do last fall, and this was a dream come true for me when I was in New York in 90, I saw A Few Good Men on Broadway and I was so impressed by the show. And the role that I wanted to do was the role of Jack Ross, who was played by Clark Gregg at that time. But a theater here in L.A., that's La Mirada Center for the Performing Arts. They were doing a production, and I got to play uh, Colonel Jessup in that production. It was a role of lifetime and just so rewarding. That's great. Actually, it's funny because
1: the next question was going to be, do you ever get back in theater? So obviously you do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I know here with people that, friends I know that were in theater that were trying to do on camera, it's always a challenge because you get cast in a play that's going to run for six weeks, and suddenly you get a call to come do a
0: movie. Did that ever get in your way? Yeah, it does happen. And it's, you know, it's just a- showbiz. Yeah, it's Murphy's Law. It's going to happen, you know. So um, when I first came out here, the, the agent I was with at that time, there was a a, a production out here called uh, Reprise. And I did a production of Wonderful Town. I played Chick. The last weekend of the show conflicted with, I had booked uh, a role on the old show, Touched by an Angel, which shot they shot in Utah. And I had to fly out on Sunday to be ready to go on Monday. And we had shows. I couldn't do it. I had to, you know, I had to pass. And my wife said, well, it's happening for a reason. Something bigger is coming along. And my agent at the time said, yes, it's happening for a reason. And the reason is to teach you not to do theater in LA. <laughs> so that stuck with me. So I would I would go, and it would be like five or six years. And then I would feel the need to get back on stage. And I did it. But then 2018, I did a production of South Pacific up at the Rubicon Theater. And then went right into uh, early 2019, a production of... Uh, 1776 where i got to work with my wife for the first time in a long time so i've done more theater in the in the last few years than i have in a while i love it i love it i i really feel at home on this stage right, good. even to this day
1: and i have to just ask because animal kingdom was one of my it's one of my favorite shows i'm dying to see the last season but we cut our cable so we don't we can't watch it until it comes on paramount plus next season oh, But anyway right. so wh- what did you do on that and how was that experience
0: Uh, It was interesting. This was really right after SAG negotiated the safety protocols for COVID. And I played a manager of a jewelry store that Ellen Barkin's younger self, she and the guys, robbed the jewelry store. Anyway, the interesting thing was that they would come and they would duct tape my hands behind my back and I would be on the ground. And then I like push the alarm with my head and we would cut. And I would still be taped. Right as you cut, you had to put your mask on, right? that's The only time you took your mask off is when you're rolling. And the AD would say, Andy, mask on, mask on. And I'm like, yeah, somebody untape my (laughs) fucking hands and I'll put my mask on.
1: So one question I always like to ask everybody, when you have time to sit around and not in a show, what do you like to watch?
0: I'm watching Perry Mason. I just finished The Last of Us. I do like all the Star Wars stuff. Although I I have to say, I I wasn't a big fan of Obi-Wan. I loved Andor, and I'm watching The Mandalorian now. I'm not that thrilled about this season so far. But you know what? A lot of times, I got to tell you, if I'm sort of bored and there's nothing to do, I go to Nick at Night, and I watch reruns of Friends. Oh, wow. Okay. And and you know what? To this day, just it's sometimes there are certain episodes that just make me laugh out loud.
1: But, and you never uh, got to be in that one, obviously.
0: Oh, uh, no, I did. Yeah, I did. Oh, you oh, you in front. Yeah, I was in season nine. I played uh, a doctor, a <laughs> fertility doctor uh, for Monica and Chandler. They found out that they it was going to be de- very difficult for them to have kids. And I was a doctor who told them that. There's so much out there. There's oh, it's crazy. Uh, so yeah, much yeah. content now that it's just crazy. And I think that might be a reason I watch Friends because I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah, something. it's easier to just
1: do something safe and easy.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Well, Andy, I want to thank you. It's great to see you. It's been a few years. I saw you actually at the VCU reunion. Boy, that was probably 15, 20 years ago. they 20, 2012, I think Wow, it was. was it? Okay. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll see you back in Richmond one of these days or I'll see you when I least expect it on TV.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jerry. This has been great. It's been so much fun. Great to see you. And yeah, I hope to get back to Richmond sometime. It's been too long. That was actor Andy
1: Umberger, who's appeared in more than 100 movies and TV shows. There are links to his own website on the page for this show at TVJerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Chris Pine leads the cast in this apparently comic adaptation of the popular game. A thousand and one. A woman kidnaps her own son from foster care to live with her in Harlem. Smoking causes coughing. A team of superheroes who look vaguely like the Power Rangers is sent on a retreat in this very goofy-looking French import. men. A woman observing a rare flower off the Cornish coast in the 70s finds darkness and confusion. Spinning gold a biopic of 70s record producer Neil Bogart, who co-founded Casablanca Records. Summoning Sylvia. Spirits cause haunted trouble at a gay bachelor party. His Only Son. This faith-based film follows the story of Abraham and the sacrifice of his son. TV and streaming. The Power on Amazon Prime, based on the novel where teenage girls develop the power to electrocute people at will, with a cast including Tony Collette and John Leguizamo. Murder Mystery 2 on Netflix, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston reunite for this sequel as full-time detectives who find trouble when a friend is kidnapped at his wedding in Paris. Unstable on Netflix, John Owen Lowe wrote, stars, and directed his father, Rob Lowe, in this comedy where they play father and son. Tetris on Apple TV, Taryn Edgerton stars in this series about the creation of the famous video game. Rye Lane on Hulu, a rom-com breakout from Sundance. Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields on Hulu, a two-part documentary about the famous model who was sexualized at a very early age. The Big Door Prize, also on Apple, a science-fi comedy about a machine that reveals people's true purpose in life, starring Chris O'Dowd. You know you can subscribe to this podcast on all the basic providers, or you can go to tvjerry.com, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. Mardi Gras Man was an independent film that was produced and shot in Tidewater. It'll be showing at Movieland April 2nd and 3rd. And I'll feature an interview with some of the people involved on next week's show, along with an interview about a TV series that's already airing. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including
0: literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.